listening to CLNS Media, powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to clnsmedia.com slash roll. Use our promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your first deposit. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Red Sox Beat Podcast, presented by CLNS Media. That's your leading online audio and video provider for Major League Baseball and the Red Sox. I'm the host of the show, Chris Cotillo. I cover the team for MassLive.com. Today, it is Wednesday, September 11th, episode 233 of the show, and we have my partner on the beat, Chris Smith, uh, on the show to discuss what has been a huge week in Red Sox baseball, a very chaotic week um, in the first couple days. So we get to Chris in a second. This show is brought to you by Indochino and betonline.ag. So more from them later. But Chris, welcome in. Hopefully you've got some sleep, not only with the newborn baby, but because we have had a couple of very chaotic and hectic days at Fenway uh, earlier this week. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy to, you know, hear the news or learn the news at 12, uh, you know, midnight that Dave Dombrowski was fired and we didn't get to sleep until probably, what, 4.30? I got to sleep at 4.30, 5 o'clock that night. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, so obviously, you know, the news of the week, not just, uh, you know, in terms of the Red Sox, but really all around baseball is that Dave Dombrowski was fired. Uh, shortly after midnight on Sunday night, Monday morning, after the Red Sox lost to the Yankees, I think, you know, kind of a behind the scenes, a little bit look at how things went down before the game. David Dombrowski was spotted on the field. He was in the middle of a pregame ceremony. Um, he walked up through the con- through the grandstand at Fenway Park, shaking hands, taking pictures with some people. And uh, throughout the game, I did notice it, didn't say it to anybody, which now I obviously regret, but his box, the front office box, was completely empty, which is I, I can't remember that ever happening again. He usually sits in the front row with Tony La Russa and some of the assistants sit in the, in the back couple rows uh, around the eighth inning. Uh, there's word. Jared Carabas tweeted out that there was a major shakeup behind the scenes. People started getting text. Um, people around the ballpark saying, did you hear the news? Did you hear that this is going down? And at that point, the Red Sox decided that um, – Instead of waiting to put out the press release in the morning, Kevin Gregg, the team spokesman, with a bunch of people asking him what was going on and the news of being on the verge of being broken anyway, he would just tell us. And at 12.07, I think, 12.06, 12.07 a.m., a small group of reporters gathered in the press conference room. Kevin comes out without Alex Gore and says, we'll have an official release tomorrow, but we've parted ways with Dave Dombrowski as the president of baseball operations. So uh, a huge move, one that I don't think uh, we... You know, one that wasn't super surprising that it happened, but the timing, you know, in the middle of a series, even though it was a Sunday night game, so it didn't feel like it, but in the middle of a, of a series, not mathematically eliminated in the middle of the night, just the way it all went down, I think, was uh, extremely surprising, Chris. Yeah, but technically eliminated. And, you know, I mean, unofficially, officially, uh, officially, unofficially, or whatever you want to say, eliminated. But yeah, yeah I mean, I think that they, I think they needed to, you know, fire some, uh, you know, I, knew, I think they needed to fire Dombrowski before the season ended because there's so many decisions that need to be made, you know, right at the end of the season. And, you know, in terms of qualifying offers, you know, minor league free agents that you would, or, you know, um, uh, you know, eventually rule five drafts in, in early November. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that need to be, you know, ironed out. And, um, you know, I think that uh, I think it was wise, you know, to do it when it, when they did it. And, um, you know, I, I was for uh, them, you know, searching for somebody else. I feel like they're in a place right now where they need to develop some starting pitching. They need to develop, you know, they need to get the um, farm system better than 22nd in baseball, which is according to Baseball America, that ranking. 
And, um, you know, they, they just really haven't developed any pitching for years, you know, pretty much a decade. Uh, and, you know, and, and the, you know, their, their farm system, he's just not the one to do it. I mean, he did develop some people. He definitely developed some elite players, drafted, developed, signed international free agents and developed uh, back when he was with the Expos and the Marlins. But he really hasn't done it because that wasn't his job in, in Detroit. Yep. job was always was a, an old Mike Illich saying we I need a World Series before I die and him trying as, as hard as he could to do it yeah and it, it's you know it's interesting because well yeah I, I've, I've written this a thousand times where he values you know big league stars over you know you know top prospects and mm-hmm. you know I think that it's interesting um, that when when he was when he came in for his initial press conference and, and talked with us and you were back in what high school at that point middle <laughs> um well when he came in and talked to us in that initial press conference it was interesting that you know he talked about how you know the farm system that ben sherrington left the farm system in such good shape and they were number one and he was looking he wasn't going to do the same thing that he did in detroit and essentially he did do the same thing i mean he did hold on to some people i mean you know you get give him credit for holding on to devers Um, yeah but you know i mean overall it was a very similar um process that you know of of you know trading top prospects for elite you know major league talent and the other thing that he did was you know i mean he's not extremely creative with his signings and, you know, and, and building a team. And I think we saw that last, you know, last off season, especially when, you know, he, he pulled off two really good trades, obviously in the middle of the season and that helped them win the, the world series, you know, bringing yep. C Pierce and Evaldi, mm-hmm. but his plan in the off season was, you know, okay, well, you know, you can't go over to the third, third ta- uh, tax threshold. And, you know, I need, so I'm just going to bring back these guys instead of using, you know, that 6.5 million that Steve Pierce had and saying, well, he's 36 and I've got a guy in, you know, named Sam Travis and, and Bobby Dahlback and the miners who are right-handed power hitters. And maybe they could potentially help and we can get, we can get away with that for now. Maybe I'll, you know, maneuver and do some things with the bullpen, um, you know, be creative there. And, you know, he, he just basically said, okay, these guys perform well, um, they're going to perform well again in 2019 and it didn't happen that way. And when does that ever really happen that you bring back pretty much the same exact team as you did the year before and they repeat as champions. Uh, it's usually not the case unless, unless it's the NBA and you have Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think hindsight's 2020 on a lot of the stuff with David Dombrowski. I think previously, you know, I think a lot of people really liked that Steve Pierce re-signing. They thought, oh, he didn't even get a raise after becoming World Series MVP. And, and he looked like a perfect fit for the roster at the time. You know, I think some people are higher on Sam Travis than me. But that move, I didn't hate that much. The Evaldi one, you know, they were paying a little bit more for past performance there maybe than future projection. But you saw what that guy did in October. And assuming he was healthy, he was going to come back and be not, not you know, your one, two, or three, but your fourth or fifth starter. And I thought... You know, that you could get a worse guy uh, than that. He obviously drove his price up. Those moves, you know, I don't think were, um, they were ended up just the injuries, you know, killed both of those, you know, and they weren't good while they were on the field, which was in very limited time. I think, you know, when you look back at David Dombrowski's trades, and this is to get into his legacy, um, the Thornburg trade sticks out as one that was horrible, and they held on to Thornburg way too long. Travis Shaw, uh, Dubon, all those guys, you know, performed. 
Um, Dubon's in the majors now. Travis Shaw, you know, obviously he's been had a horrible year this year, but was previously really good for the Brewers. Um, you look at the sale trade. I think the sale trade worked out exactly, um, you know, as you wanted it to. And and although Moncada has been good this year, you haven't really seen a ton that the White Sox have gotten back. Um, the Padres really didn't get a ton back. You know, I think Margot has been disappointing. Logan Allen, they traded away in that trade to get Taylor Trammell, um, that Bauer Puig deal in terms of the Kimbrel trade. So, you know, the Red Sox, there's not a lot of these guys that got away that you're going to look at for years um, that he did give up in trade. So when I look at past trade performance, I don't think that's necessarily the reason that he got fired. I think it's more, you know, that they are looking toward the future and realize that they're not, he's not the guy that they want to, um, you know, position this team with for, for the future in terms of young players. And that's totally fair considering what his MO has been. But at the same time, I don't think anybody can fairly say that Dombrowski did a bad job. He did what he was brought here to do. He won he had two really good teams that fell short in the playoffs and then a, then an absolute wagon that won 108 games in the World Series last year. The trades he made were the ones you expected him to make. And um, I think it's interesting because a lot of times in baseball, you look at, you know, there's always there's been this shift from paying free agents, right, from past performance. You're paying them for past performance instead of future projection. Now you're paying them for future projection. And maybe that that kind of idea is shifting towards how you view front office executives, how you view managers. You know, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. Even if David Dombrowski's tenure here was really successful and really great, even if Ben Charrington's overall was really successful winning a World Series, uh, they're looking toward the future. And um, I forget who said it. It was either John Tomasi or Alex Spear. Someone said a couple weeks ago, if you could just bring in David Dombrowski for three years and then bring in Ben Charrington for three years and then just have them switch off every three years, Ben building up the system, Dombrowski aggressively making the moves, um, and then Charrington building up the system again, that would be a perfect setup. Obviously, it can't work that way. But when I look at Dave Dombrowski's uh, track record, you know, I think there has there is something to be said for having the having the stomach, I guess, for for lack of a better on air word, uh, to actually go out and make those moves. I think someone who can come in and and not have this emotional connection to these prospects you draft and develop who need to make the moves to put you over the edge. I think there is something to be said for the quote that he gave Bob Nightingale a couple weeks ago when he said, I thought it was all about winning championships. You know, it is. And uh, it's just uh, a product of, um, you know, ownership always craving more, um, a, a city that's always craving more. But uh, Dave Dombrowski, I think when you look back, deserves to be in that category of guys where you say, you know, he'll never buy, he'll never have to buy another beer in this town. You know, you look at Theo maybe and, and Francona and guys like that, and, and, and definitely a lot of the players, um, Valdi and even Pierce from last year. When it comes to Dave Dombrowski, I think people don't look at him that way, and it's a shame because he did what he was brought here to do, and I think his legacy should be a positive one overall. Yeah, the the thing about, you know, well, if you look back at some of the trades and, you know, they didn't give up prospects that, that hurt them, okay? So Margot obviously didn't pan out the way that people thought. Um, Javier Guerra, uh, was in that that trade. He didn't pan out the way. He switched positions, thought. right? Now isn't he pitching? I have no idea, but you know he was, you know, supposedly. I mean, he was a top. He was on the top 100 prospect list. I think he was in the 30s or 40s when, you know, baseball baseball America's top 100 list. I think 30 or 40s when they traded him. Espinosa like, is another good example. Okay, but that's a good example. But, um, you know, when you look at it, you have to you know look at it in 
the respect of too, like, okay, so did he give up too much for a guy and he could have used those prospects somewhere else as well? Did, mm-hmm. Was Anderson Espinosa too much for Drew Pomerantz, you know, who was injured at the time or, you know, had that? Well, they both were. Yes, exactly. But there was no injury, you know, history with Anderson Espinosa. And, you know, could you have held on to him and used him as the, you know, pitcher in the, um, you know, the Chris Sale deal, uh, you know, to highlight that one. And then you still have Michael Kovac, who's injured too now. But you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, so it's mean, just a Tommy John party everywhere. Okay. So, but what I mean too Even is maybe like, with Sale. Ben Sherrington would have been the, never the type of person that would have given up four players for a reliever. Um, you know, one person said to me, you know, the bullpen, we know how ba- valuable bullpens are. They're extremely valuable. But as as individuals, <laughs> as individuals, though, relievers aren't that important. And it's because if you look at, you know, their war, and I know that we can go into these stats that are, you know, sabermetrics now, and some people might not look at them as, as important as, you know, the eye test. But, you know, if you look at war and what Craig Kimbrell did over his, uh, you know, three years with the Red Sox, he had a 5.6 war. So, you know, he, he earned them over three years, um, you know, five, five and a half wins, you know, technically. And as opposed to, you know, I think that a new, the person that they're looking for going forward or Ben Sherrington or Theo Epstein would have, you know, developed a closer or gotten one cheaper somewhere else by not giving, you know, four prospects. And then you can use, I mean, even if he had gotten Craig Kimbrell for, you know, two of those prospects, those are some elite prospects, yep. you know, in the knock on um, Dombrowski over the years is he gives up too much to get the deal done. You know, he, he identifies his guy and then he, he's willing to give up too much. And I think that, you know, he gave up too much in some of these trades and, you know, I mean, in the Thornburg trade, I mean, Thornburg had one good year, really, to maybe two good years mm-hmm. before he came to the Red Sox. And you're giving them a power hitter, you know, with potential and, you know, three prospects. It's it's It seems insane to me that, that they would have given up that much for Tyler Thornburg, especially with the guy that, you know, he had a bit of an injury thing previous coming into the Red Sox, too. So. You know, I mean, his desire to get relievers that are injury prone or have some weird deliveries too that that was a weird thing. So I think that when you look at it, ones that love need... to slam their glove down. Exactly. And so when you look at it, um, you, you had said somebody, you forget who it was, but they said, oh, three years of Ben Sherrington, three years of Dabrowski, three years of Ben Sherrington, three years of Ben Dabrowski. That would, you know, that would work. But I think that the the issue with Dombrowski is that he was willing to give up too much, and the issue with uh, Sherrington was uh, that he wasn't willing to give up enough. Mm-hmm. And so there is that middle ground if you were to do it three every three years. But I think they're looking for somebody like a Theo who would you know was willing to give up some stuff, but wasn't willing to give up other stuff. You know that middle yep. ground, and I think that. Um, you know, that, I mean, that's that's obviously an important thing to do. And, you know, Ben Sherrington didn't identify certain prospects. You have the most important thing as a, as a GM or a president of baseball operations, I feel, is to evaluate, evaluate your own system properly so you know who to trade and who not to trade. Mm-hmm. And there were deals that could have been done where they traded, you know, 
Henry Owens and Blake Swihart. It, it, you know, those were two of the top prospects in the Red, Red Sox organization at one yeah. point. And Sherrington didn't identify who to trade and who not to trade. Yeah, and obviously, you can can kind of commend those guys for they held on to Bogarts, they held on to Devers, they held on to Ben Attendee and Betts and Bradley and all these guys that came up through the system. And, and you know, as we talked about with Alex Spear, you know, the other day, a, a whole basically a whole team of homegrown prospects. So, you know, that's obviously a, a very impressive thing that they were able to uh, pull off. And and uh, again, I don't, I'm not as down on Nebraska as everybody else who I am down on at this moment is Red Sox ownership, because in the last few days, the only thing we've heard from Red Sox ownership about the firing of Dave Dombrowski is his comments on WEEI yesterday, speaking to Ordway Merloni and Fourier, the Red Sox decided not to have a formal press conference. Sam Kennedy's explanation on that was that it wasn't going to be a productive meeting. Anyway, it would have been a waste of time, which for us, it's less transcribing. So that, I mean, it actually wasn't, it was for you because I had to transcribe 22 minutes of Sam Kennedy on the radio yesterday. But overall, I mean, I think it was just a horrible look for the organization. They kind of, I guess, ran a cost-benefit analysis and said, instead of wasting this time doing this, we're going to want to talk to the people in the organization and get this transition period underway. Uh, they also decided that uh, Alex Cora, who they all love and they gave a vote of confidence, they decided he was going to have to take the heat for it or in the words of Johnny Miller the other day at Fenway, he was going to have to face the music alone. Uh, and I think it was a, a horrible look, not only to put the manager in that situation, but to just hide. You know, And Sam Kennedy said, we spoke to the media all day yesterday, which you and I were both there. And um, the only thing I saw was, we'll get to David Ortiz in a minute, but the only thing I saw was right before that ceremony, Tom Verducci talked to Tom Warner and Sam Kennedy. If that counts as talking to the media all day, um, you know, I, I guess, but it was uh, it was a horrible showing in terms of uh, in terms of the optics. And uh, I think at, at first we thought, oh, it's Sunday night at midnight, so they're probably just asleep. We'll get them tomorrow. And the fact that we didn't was uh, pretty absurd. Yeah, I mean, did, did he really say that on the? I didn't see that. That he, yeah. he talked to the media. He said the we, whole day? We, we spent the whole day interacting with the media, and we just didn't have it in the formal setting. That's that's a strange comment to make, uh, and yeah, not true. So, yeah, exactly, because it's strange because it's not true. And you know, I think that what these guys did, you know, first of all, is well, you know, first of all, I think that you know, unproductive. Yeah, maybe um, five seven minutes of the press conference would have been you know unproductive because mm -hmm. we would have been asking the same things over in different ways about why they fired Dombrowski and they wouldn't have yep. been saying. But I think after that, I think we, you know, once those questions are asked, then productive questions can be asked about, you know, what are you looking for in the, you know, in the next GM? Do you have, do you have candidates, even though you're not going to tell us, do you have some candidates already? What, you know, time frame? when can you get this done? And so I think it's insincere to say that, you know, it would have been just a waste of their time, uh, you know, to go out there and a waste of our time because it mm -hmm. wouldn't have been. I think that there were questions that they could have answered. And, um, you know, and, and so, you know, I think that what this does to them, and I don't think they realizes this, realize this is that the next time that they hold a public press conference, which I'm assuming will be when they introduce the new GM, they're going to have to face the questions at that time. And it's not really fair to the new GM to sit there and listen, you know, first, oh, why did you fire Dave Dabrowski? 
And why didn't you hold the press conference about Dave Dabrowski? Because those two questions, I'm assuming, are going to be asked of the ownership before, right. you know, we would ask the new GM, you know, what's your plan? Yeah, for sure. On Dave Dombrowski, he's always a well-dressed gentleman. So quickly a word from our friends at Indochino. Indochino is the world's most exciting made-to-measure menswear company. They make suits and shirts to your exact measurements for an unparalleled fit and comfort. If you're looking to get married, they have tons of options for those looking to outfit their wedding party. Guys love the wide selection of high-quality fabrics and colors to choose from. You can pick your own lapel linings, pockets, buttons, and write your own monogram. Here's how it works, and I'll tell you a little bit about my own experience with it. You can visit a stylist at the showroom. There's over 40 in North America. There's one on on uh, downtown Boston and Back Bay. Have them take your measurements personally, or if you're busy, if you're, let's say, covering the, uh, a beat and you're traveling a lot, you can measure at home by yourself and shop online at Indochino.com. You just send in your measurements, which is what I did. I got a wrinkle-free shirt, which is great because my ironing skills are subpar, Chris Smith. Choose your fabric inside and out. Choose your design customizations and submit your measurements with your choices. You can relax while your suit gets professionally tailored and mailed to you in a couple weeks. It came perfectly. Um, I plan on wearing it uh, next week at Fenway for the Mikey Stremski Festival that's coming to town when the Giants do. So look forward to that. This week, the listeners of this show can get any premium Indochino suit for just $369 at Indochino.com when entering the code SOCKS, S-O-X, at checkout. Shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code SOCKS, for any premium suit for just $369 in free shipping. It's an incredible deal for a premium made-to-measure suit. Once you go custom, you don't go back. Chris Smith, you have a lot of you know occasions coming up, maybe a baptism and a few other things. So yeah. it's Indochino.com, uh, pre- promo code SOX. I agree with everything you were saying about you know Dave Dombrowski is you know, the explanation of, of him being fired is going to be, you know, on the owners when they introduced a new guy, which isn't going to be fair to Mike Hazen or whoever it'll be. We'll get to some candidates in a minute, but um, probably won't be Mike Hazen. The Diamondbacks have come out and denied that pretty strongly in that last couple of days. But um, we don't have any idea of a time frame of when they want the guy installed. You know, Rob Bradford reported today that they're not necessarily going to name a president of baseball operations. It could just be a GM, which is, you know, an interesting wrinkle, I think. They're keeping everything open. I don't those titles. I don't know. They probably just matter in terms of pay. Um, they don't really matter in terms of power. Um, and, and then you kind of have uh, you know a lot of other unanswered questions. You know why the timing? Why did you do this when you did it? Um, why not wait? What led to the decision? What do you want people to remember about Dombrowski? And, and there's a lot of unanswered questions still out there. And obviously a, a bad look for the organization. I think the organization's look. And, and I said this um, on Twitter the other day when I was walking into Fenway the other day to cover the game. I thought, wow, this has been horrible. This has been horrible optics, no press conference, and they're going to send Alex Cora out here. The only thing that could make this worse is, wow, what if they brought back David Ortiz for the first pitch tonight? And somehow, some way, they did that. And David Ortiz, and uh, we were on the field, and I, I uh, grew up as big of a David Ortiz fan as anybody. Um, and obviously what's gone on in the last three months was has been – um, you know, crazy and bizarre, and you know, I'm glad that he's doing well. And so, while we were on the field for those three, four minutes, it was it was an emotional time. You know, the crowd was into it, and everybody on both sides was on the front top step of the dugout, and it was really cool. It was great to see him. He looked great, uh, all that stuff. But I think more than anything, 
you know, the Dombrowski thing took away from that moment because when that was over and done, we came upstairs. Everybody wrote, oh, it's wonderful to see David Ortiz back here at Fenway Park. And then within 20 minutes, we're back to all the Dombrowski stuff. It should have been uh, uh, David Ortiz's night. It ended up being his five minutes. Um, and I, it just the way it all came together, I, I totally don't buy the notion that it was supposed to be a distraction or a smokescreen. You know, he, he has a schedule with Fox and wants to go back to Miami because it's getting cold and all that stuff. I understand. And he, uh, he said, this is the night I'm coming. It just so happened that they, they happened to fire the, the president of baseball operations, but it just, uh, it wasn't on purpose. It wasn't that sinister, but it really was unfortunate how it all came together on Monday. Yeah, I totally agree. And, um, yeah, and he looks good though, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, no, he looked a lot better than I would three months after being shot in the back. So, um, <laughs> no, but, but seriously, I thought he'd be real. You know, I mean, we have seen pictures of him, but I thought he'd be really yeah. skinny and, you know, out of shape. And yeah, he looks good. No, he did. So, I mean, it was good to see him. I just it was uh, awkward, an awkward moment um, yeah. for everybody. Yeah, and I think that the other thing, you know, when you talk about one final thing with the David Dombrowski, uh or why things weren't, you know, there was no press conference and everything. You know, a couple of people have brought this up now. I think the first person to bring it up was Evan Drellick, but a couple of people have brought so it up. So it must I be wrong. Them, I heard them talking about it on the radio the other day. This is that, you know, your owner, um, John Henry, owns also owns the Boston Globe. And, you know, somebody that owns a newspaper should have you know, should want accountability, yep. the, the um, reporters to be able to ask questions, um, you know, after a major event happens. Um, you know, when you look around the league, I don't, I don't know how, I think it's pretty unprecedented that a baseball operations president or, you know, a GM is, is fired and owners don't talk. And on top of that, your owner is, you know, supposed to be supporting, you know, uh, Pre-press and all that. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I think that that was a bad look as as well. Yeah, I think yeah, you know, something that, that really uh, I, I keep coming back to in my own head is David, uh, I mean, John Henry, excuse me, when he gets in front of the microphone, when he rarely does, it's always pretty good. It's pretty candid. It's pretty honest. We saw that in spring training when he said they screwed up the John Lester negotiations. They basically said, we're going to sign Chris Sale no matter what, because we're trying, we're trying to make up for the, for the John Lester negotiations. Tom Warner came out and said, you know, when asked point blank about Kimberly, you're going to bring him back. And it's extremely unlikely. Like they, they gave good answers that Dombrowski uh, and Cora might not have. Uh, and you just have to wonder if, there's a conscious effort from whoever it is, from PR, from Sam Kennedy, that they don't want John Henry in front of a microphone because he's too candid. Yeah, I mean, he is candid. Um, and and, I mean, it's great. We love it. We love much. it. You know, he, he doesn't talk much. And, yeah. you know, and so, um, you know, it's is an interesting thing over the years where, you know, he has talked less and less. And. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I really don't know the reason. But, yeah, when he does speak, he usually, you know, gives you pretty straightforward answer. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's pretty honest. So, um, yeah. Well, when, since I've been on the beat, which was the beginning of June of last year, I can remember John Henry speaking uh, on the field after they won the World Series at the parade. Both times he said they couldn't wait to get an extension with Dabrowski done, which is hilarious in retrospect. Then at winter weekend when they do that and then the um the spring training bench and not 
in a press conference setting since then. He wasn't on the he wasn't at the table when uh, those guys all had the um, press conference when Ortiz was shot. Uh, I know he spoke to Rob Bradford and, and had some interesting comments in London, but that wasn't a formal thing. So really, you know, two formal media availabilities with John Henry at least since since June of last year, because that's my frame of reference, which I think is pretty interesting. We'll wrap up with some candidates to replace uh, Dave Dombrowski. The betting odds on that are not out yet, but it is football season. So betonline.ag is launching football season. The Patriots looked great the other night. Antonio Brown drama is a mess. I don't know if you can get a prop on if Antonio Brown will ever play for the Patriots, but I would tend to lean no at this moment. Are you ready for football season fans? Get into the game with our exclusive sports betting partners at betonline.ag. You can sign up today to receive a 50% welcome bonus reward on your first deposit and start betting on your favorite pro or college team. Chris Smith would have bet on Syracuse last week, but I don't know uh, if that would have gone well because they lost 63-20 to to Maryland. You can bet on every spread, every total, every winner or loser. Bet on who the first starting quarterback to be benched will be. I don't think it'll be Brady after 33 points against the Steelers. You can bet on who's going to win the Heisman. North Carolina's Sam Howell. Freshman looks like a good bet to me. Just kidding. Get the fastest odds, yeah. updates, and payouts with our new sportsbook partners at betonline.ag. You can head over to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to join today. Minimum deposit of $55 is required to qualify for the bonus you'll receive a 50% bonus on your qualifying first deposit only. So there you go. I don't know if there's, I don't think there's odds on the new Red Sox general manager or president of baseball operations, Chris, but who do you think it would be? Uh, who do you think the favorite would be in Vegas? Uh, Eddie Romero. And yeah. I, I, I have a feeling that he's going to be a real serious candidate and could get the position. Uh, that, if whoever doesn't know, is their assistant GM. I mean, they have three assistant GMs who have now become three GM, you know, interim GMs. But, yeah. you know, of the three, I mean, he's really the talent evaluator. I mean, you look at Brian O'Halloran, you know, he, he's more of the payroll guy, you know, uh, constructing contracts and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, with, with um, Eddie Romero, he's a, you know, a guy that did a lot of internet. He's done a lot of international scouting. Um, you know, he has a real good pulse of, of, you know, That's talent. a total Dombrowski word. <laughs> pulse. Well, I, for, we're talking about, we're celebrating the final, um, yeah. final days of Dombrowski's era. I thought I'd throw a pulse, even though right. I didn't know that, but okay. Nice tribute. So, um, yeah, so, uh, I think that, you know, I, I, I like him as a candidate, but I, I could also see them going, you know, to a former um, Ben Sherrington or former uh, Epstein guy. Um, you know, you have, as you said, Mike Hazen in Arizona, but there are other guys like, you know, Porter, who mm-hmm. is, I think he's the assistant GM with the Diamondbacks. You know, yeah. he was Jared Porter. Jared Porter worked under, you know, Epstein at one point here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you have other guys like McLeod from, uh, that used to work with the Red Sox that went and, you know, uh, became part of the Chicago Cubs organization. I think he's yep. the head of pro scouting. He just got promoted today to something. Oh, okay. Then maybe, uh, <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, there, there's guys out there like that. And, you know, why not Jet Hoyer too? Um, because yeah. like, we, it just depends about... on if he's going to untether himself from Theo. Yeah. You know, but wouldn't he want that opportunity? I mean, I know he, he got that opportunity at one, at one point with San Diego, mm-hmm. but wouldn't he want that opportunity again to be the guy? Um, 
you know, and obviously there's, you know, there's, there's different guys like the assistant GM uh, with the Astros, you know, obviously the Astros have built Brandon Tobman. Yeah. And obviously the Astros have built a juggernaut um, and they've done it through pretty much uh, development and mm-hmm. uh, drafting and development or international free agent signing and development. And, you know, he's worked under Jeff uh, Lunau uh, for, you know, quite a bit now. So we can see with him, um, you know, you could also look at the Tampa Bay Rays organization and whether it's the head of their, you know, baseball operations or somebody else. Yeah, Eric um, Neander and Kyle Bloom are two big GM candidates. Okay, so, you know, I know that, um, you know, I know that T- Tomasi, I was actually watching uh, the, the show Sports Night, whatever the heck they call it now. I have no idea, but maybe it was early edition or something. Good, like it's that. a good plug for them. Yeah, we shouldn't be plugging them. But anyway, um, you know, I was, well, you already mentioned Tomasi, so I've actually no, I mean, I was, Tomasi. I mean, you don't even know the name of the show, so. Oh, yes. Yeah, you're correct. You're correct. Yeah. It's a show so on, anyway, on that channel. Yeah. Uh, Boston Sports Tonight, probably. That was there you go. <laughs> so anyway, um, but now what the hell did Tomasi, Tomasi say? So, oh, yeah. So he said that, you know, the Red Sox, and I mentioned this earlier, that the Red Sox have had you know, a great deal of trouble developing pitching. I mean, you can't really look at Eduardo Rodriguez as a pitcher they developed since they got him mm-hmm. when he was in double A and he only spent, you know, two and a half um, months in the Red Sox minor league organization towards the tail end of, you know, 2014. And then at the beginning of 2015, they really haven't developed any starting pitchers since Clay Buckles and, and John, uh, Clay Buckles and, um, um, I'm trying Brian to Johnson. No, Clay Buckley. <laughs> Brian Joe. No, you know, who's, who am I trying to see? Yeah, I guess Lester and and yeah. uh, Buckles would be the mm-hmm. two that, you know, the last people that you really developed. I mean, you right. could say, like, you know, they helped develop Jalen Beeks, who has had an impact with, with mm-hmm. you know, the Rays and things like that. But, you know, Tampa Bay is really the organization that has done a hell of a job over the years developing talent, uh, starting pitching talent. And so maybe you, you know, maybe you get somebody from that organization because they know how to do that uh, the best of anybody. Um, I would guess so, that it's it's not going to be a, a first timer. I think it's going to be someone who's who's been around, whether that be, you know, Hoyer's interesting, Chris Antonetti and and Cleveland is interesting, Derek Falvey in Minnesota is interesting. Uh, obviously, I think they they try for Hazen as hard as they could. Arizona doesn't seem to be interested in that, but. Remember, Toronto wasn't interested in, in giving John Farrell away either. Um, and after they blocked it the first time, it worked the second time. Obviously, I think circumstances changed there. But, um, you know, th- those things, if they're destined to happen, sometimes find a way of working out. Um, you know, McLeod's an, inter- yeah, I mean, Falvey's an interesting guy. Yeah. Uh, just to put that be out there, because I think he's from Lynn. Mm-hmm. And he's a Massachusetts guy, so yeah. But go on, I'm sorry. There's a few of those guys. I mean, a few of those Massachusetts guys out there. Matt Clentax, the GM in Philly. I, I tweeted out his name yesterday. Philly's fans basically said they'd drive him to the airport. So I don't know if that necessarily will work. A guy in New York who has connections here, playing here. Uh, he's an assistant under um, Brian Cashman. Is uh, Naring. I think that would yeah. be a really interesting one. Um, yeah, I've heard that one. I mean, so. not from anybody, just from writers that were speculating that, you know, Tim, Tim yeah. could be somebody. I think something that's interesting is there hasn't been that leak of, oh, the Red Sox are targeting this guy right now. Um, it hasn't gone to any of the national guys. It hasn't gone to the globe, um, which sometimes in these cases it does. Um, you know, I think it was clear 
the Red Sox in the past. I think it was very clear that they were targeting um, John Farrell when they first were trying to hire him. I think that was very clear that he was the number one guy. When the managerial job opened two years ago, I think it was very clear that Alex Cora was the guy they were targeting, right? I mean, I wasn't on the beat yet, but... And even, you know, there was some rumors that they would try to target Dombrowski a little bit, I guess, before that happened. Um, That was a different situation because they didn't have an opening. They just kind of (laughs) replaced Carrington in the middle of the game. But there hasn't been that there hasn't been that leak yet of this is the guy that they want. This is the guy that they're going to try to get. You know, the Red Sox view this guy, you know, and uh, so to me, it looks wide open. Um, I really would not. I think if if they could get Hazen, they'd make that happen. Other than that, uh, it's a wide open race, and uh, will be a really interesting couple months, which I'm sure uh, will be dominating the headlines on MassLive.com. The very long headlines from Chris Smith, and the more simple ones from myself. So, Chris, so why, why are you? Before we go, why are you? Why do you feel like it's definitely going to be, or, or you're pretty confident that it's going to be somebody that's you know has experience as a GM or president of baseball operations? I just think that they, they don't want someone in this market running the show for the first time. Um, well, they, they hired Ben Sherrington. Yeah, I mean, but he, yeah, but he had done it a little bit you know, in the gorilla suit era um, <laughs> as the interim back then. I don't know. I just, I just have a feeling that they're going to want you know, that, that guy with experience. I think they have this mentality and fair, maybe, that they can bully these small market teams into taking their top executive. I think that that's something that that they definitely feel like they can do. They're a premier job right up there with the Yankees, the Cubs, the Dodgers, the best teams in baseball. And uh, I feel like they can, they feel like they're going to be able to take someone else, whether that's someone who, you know, wants a different challenge. I mean, we're seeing names like Billy Bean, not that these are going to, I was just going to Billy Bean and Andrew Friedman getting thrown around just these top executives and even Theo, which I don't think he's coming back, but um, at least now I think it's just, I think it's a little bit, um, they are going to set their sights super high because why not? You know, you have a huge payroll to play with every job. Everybody would want, even though it might last only two or three years, no matter what you do, as we've seen with the last two guys. Um, But I I think uh, the sky's the limit for this hire and they're going to explore every possible opportunity. Yeah. Billy beans an interesting one, just because, you know, if you were to look, I mean, Andrew Freeman, I just don't see that just because, you know, the Dodgers are, you know, high, high payroll team and, you know, they're, they're, about to go to the third straight World Series, probably. I mean, he wants to get things completed there, and, and you know, I just don't see why he would move. But you look at a guy like you know Billy Bean, and you know he already said no to the job once, but he's been, you know, so consistent in a market that you know is is really giving him not many resources to be consistent. And maybe this is you know his his chance once once again to okay, you know what can I do if I get some money and, you know, ability to operate with some resources. And so I wouldn't rule that name out, although I would think it's a big time long shot. Yeah. And I, I think it's probably going to be somebody a little younger than that. The is 63 bean is 57. So um, a little bit younger, but, but not by much, but obviously something we will be monitoring on this podcast and on the website that Chris and I both write for in the upcoming weeks and months. So that's Chris Smith. This has been a, a very action packed, Dave Dombrowski filled Red Sox beat podcast. We'll catch you next week. Hopefully there's, there's no more 12 AM news drops that we have to cover until 5 AM. So thanks, Chris. All right. Thank you.